Shout for joy for the Lord desires to be with you. together shout for joy shout for joy for the lord desires to be with you by his love you will do the work of rebuilding My name is Shauna, and I'm coming to you from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, with this morning's teaching text. This reading is from the book of Zechariah, chapter 14, verses 6 to 9. On that day there shall not be either cold or frost, and there shall be continuous day, it is known to the Lord, not day and not night, for at evening time there shall be light. On that day living waters shall flow out from Jerusalem, half of them to the eastern sea and half of them to the western sea. It shall continue in summer as in winter, and the Lord will become king over all the earth. On that day the Lord will be one, and his name will be one. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Shout for joy for the Lord desires to be with you by his love. Friends, the Lord be with you. My name is Troy, and I um, am thrilled to be one of our pastors here and to uh, share a little bit with you this morning. I'm mindful, I want to say thanks to Shauna for reading that text. And um, also, uh, Shauna shared with me a little bit over email this week, just to, in Edmonton, things feel like they're coming off the rails, just with some of the COVID spikes and... uh, how divisive and uh, antagonistic things are there. And so I, I just wanted to know, I thought maybe we would just briefly pray for that city. And um, yeah, God knowing much more than we do what's needed. And so uh, let's just pray together. Um, Father, we commit to you this city of Edmonton and for the... Uh, the spike in illnesses and also the difficult racial realities, the, uh, the spike in violence, uh, 
the mistrust of government, the ways that it seems uh, things are moving backward instead of forward. And so God, we pray for those churches and people of God who seek to be light, to embody the song that we sang earlier, to be filled with wonder and to be hands and feet in a difficult time. And God, we pray for grace and peace. And we pray for a rebuilding in that city. And so God, your kingdom come and your will be done. In Jesus' name, and amen. Um, I want to tell you a story as we begin today uh, of a guy named Charlie Wilson. Charlie lives uh, just outside of Aberdeen in Scotland. And Charlie woke up one day, and uh, it was in, he was in his mid-40s, with this really crushing headache, the kind of headache that made him worry that he would get sick, maybe even just pass out. And so he calls to his wife and he says, um, I think I need to see the doctor. And the doctor makes a house call and then quickly diagnoses and says to Charlie, you are having a stroke. And so they call the ambulance and rush him to the hospital. And three or four days later, Charlie wakes up from a coma. And it turns out that Charlie is completely paralyzed on his right side, blind in his right eye, deaf in his right ear. And if that wasn't bad enough, he had also lost every one of his memories. He didn't know who he was. He didn't know his name. He didn't recognize his wife. He didn't know what had happened to him. He didn't know where he was. He didn't know the names of anything that he could see. It's almost like his hard drive had been wiped clean. Like his brain had been completely reset. He tells a story about how he was, he was being instructed with flashcards that would have images on them, like a dog or a bowl, and he had to relearn what everything in the world is called. What really struck me was when he was telling stories about being in physical and occupational therapy. He's learning how to be in the world with control of only half of his body. So he's learning how to climb stairs, and he's learning how to make a cup of tea and a slice of toast, all now with his once non-dominant hand. And he tells these stories about interacting with other patients who are in this environment, and these patients who are excited and motivated to leave a hospital environment and to get back into their homes. But Charlie has no idea what his home is like. He has no memory of his home. Doesn't know about a comfortable chair or that one sweatshirt that you always put on or a view out of a particular window. Charlie has no point of reference for his home. He can't see past his current reality. He's stuck there. And I think about the past year and some change and about how for many of us, we're in a similar sort of state of mind. That it's difficult to see past the current reality. Some of us have been identifying with this term languishing that Ashley mentioned very briefly last week. This sense of stuckness 
and kind of a low-grade indifference. That for many of us, we're just trying to get through to whatever is next. That we're putting one foot in front of the other. We're trying to take the necessary next step, looking to move forward, but we're not really sure even where that next step leads us. And I got to say, that's not simply the consequence of COVID. Because this sort of a reality is possible in any season, in any stage of life. We can all lose a sense of where things are headed. And this is also not just a modern problem. We're in this new series called Dreams and Visions where we're looking at the the book of Zechariah. And today we're going to concentrate on the final chapter. And I know that might be weird because we just started last week and Ashley was in chapter one and now we're already on to chapter 14 at the very end. I promise that over the next three weeks we'll fill in the middle bits as we get there. But we're in this particular book, in this particular series, and I just want to remind us that Zechariah is writing at about 20 years after the first batch of the Jewish people have come back from exile. They've been in Babylon, and the first batch has just come home. So they haven't been home very long. But coming back into uh, the promised land are some people who were born in exile. They were born away from home. So they have no associations with this place. They have no memories. Um, They don't understand what home means for them. And also along with them are some people who have been missing that home. People who have likely sang the words of Psalm 137. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. When we remembered our home, we wept. And upon returning home now, these people are disappointed because things haven't been going great. Their hopes and their expectations haven't been met. This is not the way they thought it was going to be. Does that sound familiar to anybody in this room? This is not how I thought things were going to be. And so Zechariah steps in to this moment, to these people, to remind them where things are headed. Zechariah in the whole book is constantly pointing toward the future to well up hope inside of people. So here in chapter 14... He points forward by using one phrase over and over and over again. This phrase is, on that day. In fact, in the 14th chapter alone, Zechariah uses this phrase, on that day, seven times in 21 verses. Seven ought to be a number that pings something on your dashboard. If you're familiar with the Bible, when you hear seven, you probably think, wait a minute, that sounds familiar. I think Zechariah here is drawing us back to the first time that we encounter seven in the Hebrew Scriptures at the creation day. I think Zechariah is pointing to say this. Here's what the future looks like. The future looks like things being remade, recreated, and put back together. What does on that day look like? It looks like that. Now, I've got to say... 
it maybe sound overly simplistic because Zechariah is a really weird book. It's really difficult to understand. It's challenging. And this 14th chapter is no exception. It's very, very strange. In fact, the famous um, Protestant preacher Martin Luther, when he wrote about Zechariah 14, he said these words. <laughs> now, um, I don't have it here. Here in this chapter, I give up. <laughs> I give up, for I don't know what the prophet is talking about. Now, I don't want to contradict Luther, and I certainly don't want to claim that I understand it better than he did, but I do think we can say this. We can summarize the message of Zechariah this way, that all of human history is moving toward the fully realized rule and reign of God. All of human history is headed in this direction, the fully realized rule and reign of God. Where are things headed? Where is this story going? This is its target. Or we could say it this way, the way Zechariah said it. We heard Shauna read it just a couple minutes ago in verse 9 of chapter 14. It's these words. The Lord will be king over the whole earth. And on that day there will be one Lord. In his name, the only name. It's a tremendous vision of the future. And what I'm going to do in these next couple of minutes is I'm going to highlight three ways that this vision is actualized. Three images that Zechariah uses to describe how things will be on that day. And the first image is this, light. Check out verses six and seven again. On that day, there will be no sunlight. No cold, frosty darkness. It will be a unique day, a day known only to the Lord, with no distinction between day and night. When evening comes, there will be light. Okay, so here we have some echoes of creation showing up again in this verse. Night and day, light and the sun. But what Zechariah is stressing here is that the created order that we currently experience and understand, it's going to be different. That day is going to be unique. Our current categories that help us make sense of how things are, these categories are going to be insufficient. Did you notice it looks sort of like a contradiction in these verses? Is that, is that still up there? It sort of looks like a contradiction. In one spot it says there's going to be no sunlight, which sounds to me like darkness. But then when it's evening, there's going to be light. So which one is it? Is it going to be light or is there not going to be light? And that is a picture of the uniqueness of that future day. The ways that we understand things, even night and day, those categories are not going to make sense to us anymore. This is a unique day that is coming. The, this kind of vision, it's echoed in other spots of the Bible. One other Old Testament prophet, the book of Isaiah, he talks about this coming day. It's a day that he calls the day of the Lord. And in chapter 60, he says this about that day of the Lord. Verse 19, there will be no, the sun will no more be your light by day, nor will the brightness of the moon shine on you for the Lord will be your everlasting light. 
and your God will be your glory. One, one verse later, it repeats the whole thing again and it ends this way, and your sorrows will end. And then we see this kind of a vision show up again at the very end of the Bible. In Revelation chapter 21, we get this vision. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. How will we make sense of our days? Well, how will we navigate a sunless and a moonless created order? Will we simply stumble along, uncertain in our steps, tentative in our movements? No, because God will be our light. We will know where we should go. God will literally be a light unto our path. Is that a beautiful vision? The story, our story, is headed toward this. God's supplying for us what the celestial bodies do currently. We will not need to guess about where we go. We will not need to be hesitant in taking the next step. We will not need to fear the cold or the darkness because God will be our everlasting light. The second image is water. Verse 8 gives us a description of water flowing out of Jerusalem. Zechariah calls it living water. That ought to sound familiar to some of us, especially if you were with us in our previous series on the book of John. Living water came up a couple of times there. Notice, though, how verse 8 talks about this water. It talks about it flowing to the east and to the west in the summer and in the winter. And these are really important markers. The sea... uh, to the, I got to check my notes, to the east is the Dead Sea. And the sea to the west is the Mediterranean Sea. And these mark the boundaries of the promised land. So what's the prophet saying? The river's going to flow to the whole place. The whole land is going to be accessing this water. And it's going to be in all seasons. It shouldn't flow in all of these seasons, but on that day it will. It will flow continuously. So there isn't going to be a time when the water isn't flowing, and there's not going to be a place where the water isn't going. It's really difficult for us to understand how compelling this vision would be to the original audience. The scarcity of water is something we virtually never have to face. But for a huge portion of the world, both throughout history and today, even as we hinted at today in our highlight of 20 liters, this is not taken for granted that water is available. 
territories that have access to good, good access to water and that have control over access to water, those were very valuable territories. Wars have been fought over those kinds of territories for water. And so when Zechariah gives a vision of this kind of access to water, frankly, it sounds like a dream to people. But this isn't just about physical water because Zechariah says, by the way, did I just say Zechariah or Isaiah? Very good, thank you. Um, All these prophets, what was I saying? Oh, this isn't just about physical water. Um, Aside, it's hard to talk and also have a voice in your head the entire time. Um, It's hard to talk out loud. I don't know which voice is actually in control. Um, Okay, so this isn't just about physical water. Living water, here's what Zechariah calls it, right? And this is a symbol for us. This is a picture of spiritual nourishment. Living water is how one's relationship with God is sustained. This is an image for us of God's provision. So this is more than just physical water. So where is the story headed? On that day, God's supply will not run out. On that day, God will give to his people in abundance. We will be sustained by a generous God who will give in all directions and in all seasons. A beautiful vision. And the third image is this. People and pots. In the final verses of Zechariah, we didn't read this far, he mentions how everyday cooking pots are going to be used like sacred bowls are used in worship. And what we find here is that everything Everything is going to be directed toward the worship of the king. This sacred and secular divide will finally be done away with. Everything will be uh, brought into the worship of God. And then there's this strange little verse where we end with, where we we find out that there's no longer going to be a Canaanite in the the, uh, house of the Lord Almighty. Not really a life verse for many people. Um, it's an unusual little spot. It's, there are a few different ways people are interpreting this. Here's how I find it to be particularly compelling. There will be no Canaanite in the house of the Lord because there will be no categories for people anymore. How about that? The categories that we assign, these arbitrary ways that we come up with, to talk about other people that divide us, they will be done away with. There will be no Canaanites because there will be no categories. That's not going to make sense anymore. There will no longer be Democrats and Republicans in the house of the Lord Almighty. Can I get an amen? There will no longer be conservative or progressives in the house of the Lord Almighty. 
that will no longer be Baptists or Presbyterians or non-denominational Bible churches in the house of the Lord Almighty. There will no longer be pro this and anti that in the house of the Lord Almighty. Just like cooking pots will no longer be categorized, neither will the people who stand in worship before the king. I don't know about you, but these three images, they tap into something deep for me. Deep dreams and visions, hopes that I have for life. But not just one day, not just on that day, but on this day. I want those to be true on this day. I want on this day to be assured of God's guidance and God's presence. I want on this day to be more aware of the generosity and the abundance of God. I want on this day to live without the dividing and the labeling and the separating that we so commonly do. This vision of Zechariah, it's what we call an already not yet vision. Yes, the prophet is pointing to a future day. But we understand on this side of the resurrection that this vision has already begun, but is not yet being done in its entirety. It's already and not yet. Though Zechariah is not talking about Jesus of Nazareth here, we understand these Old Testament prophecies. They find their fulfillment in the life and the death of Jesus. So there's an already not yet reality to this. So that means that we don't need to wait for some far off experience, some far off day to begin encountering the realities that Zechariah is pointing to. That we can experience the guiding light of God through the power of the Holy Spirit now. That we can ask now and receive now the light that we need to take the next right step. As I was writing this, I kept thinking of uh, this old spiritual was running through my head. I was singing it as I was kind of writing this. Let's guide my feet while I run this race. Lord, I don't want to run this race alone. Guide me now, not on some future day, some future far off day. Guide me now. We can also, friends, encounter the goodness of God, God's generosity, and God's abundance now. The God that Jesus said sends rain on the good and the bad. This often requires, though, that we intentionally look and we intentionally name the gifts of God and that we practice a spirit of gratitude. Because living water is available to us today. And finally, we can live into the reality, into the truth that every person bears the image of God, the imago Dei, that every person you encounter is made in God's image and should first and foremost be considered a child of God rather than whatever lazy shortcut category the broader culture would assign to them. Remember that one way of describing the new creation is that there is neither Jew nor Greek. That is true now.
not just in some far off day. We can begin living in a way now that avoids the tempting categorization of other people. And it's in these ways that we can actualize where the story is ultimately headed. That we can get a glimpse of that unique day on every ordinary day. And so friends, let's live today in ways that give us a foretaste of that unique day. All the while we look forward to the fully realized rule and reign of God. Theologian Elizabeth Ackbeyer, she said it this way. We look forward in certain hope, certain hope and anticipation to the glad day when the Lord will be acknowledged as king over all the earth. And all nations will worship him as their one God through the one name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Or again, as Zechariah said in chapter 14, verse 9, the Lord will be king over the whole earth. And on that day, there will be one Lord in his name, the only name. And so we pray, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And amen.